Welcome to your Breakthrough Blueprint. I'm your host, Becky Oste, a trauma-informed marriage coach. After a decade of failed efforts, I transformed my marriage, parenting, business, and health in just six months by learning how to repair my nervous system and move trauma out of my body. And now I'm here to help you do the same thing. Get ready to hear inspirational stories and walk away with tangible guidance on how to design your blueprint to your breakthrough life. Yay, we're back. It's you and me again today, solo episode, and we get to dive into how to find safety again after trauma. So I want to just dish to you two secrets today on how to find safety in your body, mind, soul, and spirit after you have been through trauma. And just a little teaser, secret number one, we're going to learn how to seek somatic safety. Secret number two, we're going to learn how to solve subconscious stories. If you can't tell, I love alliteration so much. So if you've listened to any of my podcasts or followed me for any amount of time, you know I'm a big believer that our body keeps the score of what we've been through. Trauma is recorded and even sometimes frozen in our nervous system, in our muscle memory, in our cells, and in our energetic programming. And it shows up in all of our bodily symptoms that can annoy us so much. So what are some of these ways that it shows up for a lot of us? One is just that we're constantly triggered. Like it's either fight, flight, freeze, or fawn all day, every day. We don't even remember what it feels like to not be triggered. Two, anxiety or depression. Three, rumination, just constantly, you know, thinking about the past and replaying how things went or future tripping. Four, we can't slow down or pause. We're either hyperactive, hypervigilant, hyperachieving, constantly busy, unable to really sit and be still. And then five, muscle tension. And I just named five right there. There's a million more I could name of just physical symptoms that we all face day in and day out. All of these responses, all of these experiences, they're actually natural, biological, meant to be there. They're a sign that our nervous system is actually working properly. They help us survive. But where the problem lies is when we have so much trauma over time and we get stuck in that sympathetic nervous system, that survival response, those physical symptoms, the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, when that is constantly turned on, when we're waiting for the next shoe to drop, ruminating about the past, constantly future tripping, unable to breathe and be present to this very precious moment. And we forget that all these things aren't normal. Like they're so common in our traumatized society that we get tricked into believing this is just how life is. But I'm here to remind you, especially today, that this is not how life has to be. There's a way to live this one beautiful life with purpose, harmony, connection, joy, and ease. And that might sound really annoying to hear right now if you're in survival mode. I get it. (laughs) And at the same time, I want to unlock what's going to supercharge, super speed your healing process if you've been attempting to reach that for so long. You know, many of us have been led astray by mostly well-intentioned, incredible research that has promised results, but has been blind to the most important piece when it comes to healing trauma. You know, it leaves us confused as hell after all of these years of attempting to heal. 
as to why we're still spinning our wheels in all of these different areas that we've put so much time, effort, money, sweat, and tears into learning and healing. It's like we've got more information and resources than we've ever had in human history. Yet when you look at the state of our global mental health, it is an absolute dumpster fire. When we look at the numbers, we see that 40 million people in the U.S. alone are diagnosed with anxiety disorders. Post-pandemic, women experienced an almost 30% increase in major depressive disorders and an almost 28% increase in anxiety disorders worldwide, while men saw increases of 24% and 22% respectively. A recent study from England published in Medical News Today found a tripling of prescriptions for antidepressants in the last two decades alone. And then we look at divorce. You know, a lot of my listeners are are here for marriage support. And just to name a few countries, I mean, the divorce rate in Canada is 48%. In the U.S., it's 45 41 in Australia. And those are just where most of my listeners are tuning in from. So I'm just naming a few, but divorce is huge. It's people don't marry to get divorced. We all marry thinking this is going to be forever, yet one out of the two of us ends up not being able to repair whatever we've been through. So allow me to explain why, and then we'll dive into the how, like how do we repair? So I'm going to geek out with you just for a second. So we all have it's called the vagus nerve. It runs from the base of our skull down to the base of our spine. And you can think of this vagus nerve as the super highway of information that's sending messages up and down, you know, along our spine, from our brain to our body, body to our brain at all times. You know, our body is sending signals and messages and communicating with itself and the different programs within us at all times that we're not aware of. Now, these messages that travel up and down the vagus nerve, 20% of these messages go from our brain to our body, and 80% go from our body to our brain. So what that means is, and we'll dive into this pretty deep, a lot of the modern modalities of healing only tap into that 20% of like kind of things from the neck up, like listening, speaking, you know, cerebral processing, learning, you think podcasts, talk therapy, books, like everything from the neck up is only working with the 20% of messages that are flowing from our brain to our body. But we forget about the body piece. That's not what our Western world has been good at tapping into at all. (laughs) That's the somatic piece. Somatic meaning body, right? It's learning to move trauma out of your body, calm your nervous system, regulate. This is working with the 80%. And so if you've been tapping into modalities that are kind of from the neck up in mental health psychology, the actual term is called top down, going from your brain to your body. If you're using top down techniques and tools and you're frustrated because you're still spinning your wheels or worse off than when you started using these modalities, you're not crazy. It's just you're going to feel like a salmon swimming upstream. And so we're going to learn how to really dive into the body. The good news is I'm witnessing our society catch on to what actually leads to deep lasting healing and repair. Words like nervous system repair, somatic work, vagal nerve theory, they're becoming more a part of the conversation. 
But for hundreds of years and recent generations, modern psychology and mental health have sworn by modalities that have been proven to keep so many of us locked in our heads at best and re-traumatized at worst. We've found ourselves after decades of attempts to heal still detached from our own bodies, like stuffed to the brim with intellectual information, cerebral understanding, but falling short of experiencing actual change actual redemption in our marriages, like concrete reversal of generational patterns. Almost all the popular healing modalities that have dominated the psychology world for centuries, you know, the tools we've all tried from, you know, traditional couples counseling and, you know, venting, talk therapy, books, podcasts, online searches, recovery groups, workshops, retreats, etc., they pour in more and more amazing information into our minds. But then here we are with no lasting change and wondering what the hell we've done wrong. Information does not equal transformation, but we've been told that it does. So then we shoot ourselves with that freaking second arrow of shame because we think, man, well, I know better, therefore I should do better. But it's just not true. We think, what's wrong with me? Like, I read that book. I took that course. I had that conversation I was supposed to have. Why is my marriage still falling apart? Why am I still screaming at my kids? Why am I still dipping into savings month after month when I did the Dave Ramsey course and finished all the work? Why am I still bitter towards the church? What is my business? Why is it not taking off? So we know now that we all have an unseen subconscious program written in our very body on a deep cellular level. And this program is stronger, the 80% stronger than all of our head knowledge, heart, and best intentions combined, that 20%. So to quote Jesus, I think he summed it up the best when he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So if trauma is recorded in our body, we need to go into the body to move it out. And that's what you're signing up for every time you tune in, every time you connect with me, every time you binge my content. It's because you're leaning into this idea that like, okay, I think my body is keeping the score of what I've been through and I want to learn how to move these blocks out. So we get to learn that, what it feels like to heal your body at a unique pace that is you know, bite-sized, unique to you, that's going to be what you need at this very moment in a very safe space. Okay. So that's the foundation. I think I've hammered it home, right? The point that we're trying to make that our body has kept the score of what we've been through. It's put us into a state of dysregulation and survival. And we're trying all of these things, thinking something's wrong with us when really we've just been handed the wrong tools. Or I shouldn't say the wrong, but the incomplete tools. We've just been handed the 20% of the puzzle. So Secret number one to repairing your nervous system after trauma, we're going to learn to seek somatic safety today. Okay, so what does that mean again? Somatic just means body, like safety in your body. The word means pertaining to the body, especially in contrast to the mind. So somatic work, it's all about connecting with your body, getting back into your body, in touch with your body, in harmony with your body. Because if you've been through trauma, what happens is your body actually... Like if your brain forgets, if you sweep things under the rug, your body still remembers and it fractures and fragments even our brain. Like we come into this world as an integrated, precious little life, mind, heart, body, and soul functioning in harmony. 
and all of our internal systems working together to support optimal development. But then whenever we face trauma, that begins to fragment what is originally designed to be integrated and stretchy and to bounce back to homeostasis. So I'd like to share with you how dysregulated my nervous system was to give you hope that if you feel absolutely crazy today and unsafe in your own skin, stuck or drowning in survival mode, I will volunteer as tribute to show you that you're not alone and that there's so much hope in store for you to break out of this state and into deep, genuine healing. So here's the thing. Before we find somatic safety, we usually swing to some extremes as we feel our way into our roots. And so I'm going to share my extreme swings, starting with an example like in my health, right? This entire podcast is dedicated to breakthroughs in health, wealth, parenting, purpose, relationships, spirituality, and more. So with my health, I remember doing like really hard things on my body. I was an athlete all growing up, soccer, you know, competitive track. And even outside of high school, I remember doing 75 hard, which if you haven't heard about it, it is 75 days straight of five things a day. And that's two workouts. One has to be indoor, one has to be outdoor. So I did this through the holidays. So it was like cold outside or raining. I still had to do a 45 minute workout. Okay. So 75 days, two workouts every day, one indoor, one outdoor, no alcohol, pick a diet and stick to it. So I was doing keto, drink a gallon of water and then read 10 pages of a book. Those five things I did every day for 75 days. And it was pretty harsh on my body. And the guy who kind of came up with this like he's really intense if you just look up on youtube 75 hard and hear the guy who presents this challenge he's like oh yeah you're gonna get swole and you're gonna beat yourself into discipline and this is gonna be your breakthrough but i remember as soon as 75 hard was up it we ended it on thanksgiving and i just binged oh my gosh that was the best food I'd ever tasted. And we went hard and I've, you know, went hard ever since I gained all that weight back that I lost doing 75 hard. I also remember doing Octavia, you know, which is, you know, it's a meal plan, kind of one of those network marketing things. And I lost my baby weight with that, but then gained that right back as well. Like I kept going through these swings of extreme workouts or diets and then it coming right back. I've shared openly on this podcast before how, especially through the pandemic, alcohol picked up too daily. And then my tolerance was getting, you know, scary high for me, where it was to the point where I would have three glasses of wine and absolutely no buzz even. And then started to have eczema breakouts where people were asking, like, is there domestic violence going on because the eczema breakouts were so bad? Uh, bouts of insomnia. Like, I've just, my health has been all over the place over the years. To where it is now, after really learning this somatic work, I told Sebastian just the other day, I was like, man, Sebastian, this is the first time in my adult life that I've had a healthy relationship with alcohol and recently just invested uh, in a postpartum coach. I'm like healing my pelvic floor after birthing two 10-pound babies who've ripped my abs apart and now I pee every time I run and finally getting... I've had to overcome a lot of mental blocks and honestly subconscious blocks to even get to that point to be ready for that. And I'm eating the healthiest I've ever eaten in my whole life. I'm eating nourishing foods with this intention of just wanting to nourish my body, not just to look good for others or beat my body into a place of perfection or strength for 
any kind of external validation. Like it really is just like, I want to take care of this temple. So swings in health was big swings in money for me. Like, oh gosh, I, if you didn't listen to my episode on my messy money journey of healing, what did I call it? Healing my money wounds, one messy mistake at a time. It was the most feedback I'd ever gotten out of any of my episodes so far. So if you haven't listened to it and you feel like you've got money wounds to heal or scarcity or you're hitting blocks in what you're wanting to bring in for your income, that is an episode that you got to go back to. But if you haven't heard it yet, I just I knew how to make more money the older I got. Ever since I was a little girl, I remember I would win like the cookie dough sales <laughs> in middle school and high school when we sold cookie dough. And so I I did very well in my previous career, network marketing, like earned a free car, was in the top 2% of the company. But the more I made, I still didn't know how to keep it or handle it or expand it despite all the money books I read and, you know, Dave Ramsey classes I graduated from or budgets I created. There was a point where we went homeless with $20 to our name. It was when Ollie was nine months old and we were living on food stamps, free formula from the state couch surfing in my in-laws basement. And so there was a lot of swings like in money and I would earn a bunch and then lose it. And it wasn't until I did some deep work on my nervous system and my, you know, personal wounds with money from when I was a little girl that I have had peace for the first time ever when it comes to finances. I'm tracking my budget daily with confidence I'm planning vacations now with objectivity, feeling free to talk about money without it triggering me. Like when I first started talking about this area, I would cry every time I brought it up because it was so overwhelming to me and there's so much shame. When I think of my work or livelihood for so long, I was, man, swinging back and forth so confused and trying to find my purpose, especially over the last decade. Like I'd feel so conflicted all the time in different positions and careers. Like, is this really the career that I meant to pursue? But if I change, what if I let people down? Something feels unaligned, but then there's parts I love, like constantly back and forth, what do I do? And here I am now, I can say with 1000% confidence, oh gosh, this is what it feels like to be in my purpose And I'm able to delegate the pieces that drain me and work in my zone of genius of what lights me up because that's truly what benefits the world the most, my family the most, my clients the most, is me just focusing on, okay, this is what is the most aligned for me with my gifts and, you know, my zone. Oh, gosh. And then I think of marriage. You guys have heard my story. We went from being completely stuck, separated on the verge of divorce, no trust for each other, sex, forget it. I closed that door hard out of fear of getting hurt and unresolved previous trauma like that I was carrying around. There's just such a cold energy in our home and circular conversations and fights and toxic dances. And here we are today. And there's safety and honesty and communication. And when we get triggered, I'm not terrified of it anymore. I've got tools. When we do communicate and it doesn't go well, I'm not terrified that this is the beginning of the end. And oh my gosh, what if I'm going to be abandoned? I'm actually fine with it, (laughs) which is huge. It's so freeing. And then we talk about it, you know, when the time is right, instead of me constantly trying to force things out of fear of disconnection. 
And then the last area I can mention swings in is spiritually. I've gone, you know, so extreme in my practicing my faith where it's like, I need to practice all of these ideals of my faith to a T every single day. Don't miss a time in the scriptures. You know, I was hired full time to work for my church, leading a campus ministry. And I was like, super member of the church, right? (laughs) And yet I was like riddled with a ton of tension and anxiety and fear of disappointing my God and people. I've swung from all the questions of like, is God even real? How do I know? What if I have all of this all wrong? And when I was at my worst, especially when Sebastian and I were separated, it was like, how the hell could this be the right path if following this path to AT led to this kind of destruction in my marriage and life. And I remember my fear of death really escalating. Um, I've always had a fear of death since I was a little girl to the point where it would put me into panic attacks, like six years old running into my parents' room being like, mommy, I don't want to die. I'm afraid. And her trying to comfort me like, Becky, you have such a long life to live. Like, you're not going to die anytime soon. And I'm like, but that doesn't make me feel any better. The point is I'm going to one day and I'm terrified. There was a lot of religious trauma there from, if you've heard previous episodes, my dad raised me in a home where it was like a lot of talk of the second coming and Jesus returning and it being war and chaos. And so, yeah, I've had a lot of healing to do in that area, but I've swung from all of the extremes, you know, when it comes to my spirituality And it wasn't until this deep work that for the first time in my life, something that I used to pray for as a little girl, God, please help me not be afraid of death. Help me, you know, welcome the next life and be like looking forward to seeing what's on the other side. This is the first time I can say I'm not afraid of death in my life. I have such a healthy relationship with my God, you know, and with my church now, but with different boundaries. I was so caught up in just, like I said, following everything to a T for so long, even if it was harmful for me. And so now I feel just so healthy with the boundaries I've been able to set and the things that I've been able to deconstruct in my faith and what I decided to keep and what I decided to let go. So if you can relate to any of this, I'm just curious, like, what hoops have you already jumped through in attempts to find stability and harmony and healing? You know, the first that most of us go through are the auditory hoops listening, right? Like we mentioned to podcasts or someone's advice or webinars. And then the second hoop is usually verbal things like talking it out, venting to a friend, reciting affirmations, trying to rewire limiting beliefs, or the traditional, you know, hop in a therapist's office and just talk for an hour. The third hoop we usually jump through is cognitive things like learning. So acquiring information, whether that's through books or online searches or scouring Instagram for valuable marriage content or whatever it is all these avenues that tap into our faculties from the neck up, they're all good. I'm not bashing any of them here in my heart, but like we covered, they're just such a tiny piece of the pie. And why learning to heal your body is of utmost importance and can actually speed your healing along light years quicker than tapping into all of these neck up modalities of healing. So you know who's not disconnected from their bodies? Ah, 
I think about kids. Like I look at my kids sometimes and I just marvel at how weird they can be. I forget that I was exactly like that. But when they start like shaking, jumping, dancing, like just the way they move, I'm like, (laughs) my knee jerk reaction can still be to be like, calm down or like sit still. We're so conditioned to containment that we actually scold them for being wiggly. And then we freak out that they have ADHD because they're moving. Now, sometimes there are real diagnoses out there, but a lot of us just out of this fear, that's our knee-jerk reaction when it's just kids being kids. We're conditioned, right? And, you know, devil's advocate, it'd be totally weird if you get triggered in the middle of Target, right? And then you start shaking your body and yelling like an animal the way my children do, especially that second child. Uh, I'm sure some of you know what I'm talking about with that. But yeah, you don't do that in public, right? You'd get reported so fast. So I'm not saying act like that in public, but just be aware like we are going against a lot of natural things just by living as a human in the society that we live in. We're holding a lot down. We're we're conditioned to control more than release and expression. So kids are not disconnected from their bodies. They're very in tune. They're like the best somatic practitioners out there. Other people who I think are way more connected to their bodies than us in the Western world are other cultures. You know, there's a study done called Cross-Cultural Differences in Somatic Awareness, a journal published by the Natural Library of Medicine. And I'll just give you the cliff note conclusions of this. Basically, members of non-Western cultures exhibited way higher levels of somatic awareness than members of Western cultures. So in other words, they're way more connected to their bodies than we are. East Asians and West Africans appear to demonstrate a greater emphasis on their bodily states when describing themselves and their emotional experiences. So I remember working at a fancy fine dining steakhouse in D.C. for a year, a year I was there. And the host, her name was May. She was from the Philippines. And she was just talking about how normal it was. She grew up meditating and like practicing deep breathing. And that was like how her parents helped her navigate just being a child and the triggers that children go through. And I remember just looking at her with like a deadpan face of like, that's so different. Like my parents never even mentioned breath at all. I didn't know what meditation was. It's just so vastly different, but it's just more normal in these parts of the world to practice things like this, meditation, mindfulness, breathing rituals, even intentional hyperventilation. There's certain breathing techniques that teach you how to kind of put your body into a state of uh, survival or stress just for a minute and then bring you into a place of safety and relaxation so that you can have a more flexible nervous system. Other cultures are way more connected to nature in many ways, dancing, music, drumming, singing, theater, expression, art expression, etc., But over here, you know, for most of my listeners, we still see a lot of this stuff is just like a little off the grid, a little woo-woo if you're practicing any of this in public, right? If you see somebody drumming, you're like, huh, that's a little weird, a little different. But think about the way that we are in contrast as a Western society, modern day. Like how do we normally cope with or respond to our anxiety and our headaches and our suffering, our back pain, you know, 
we respond like for example anxiety we're like girl go pour yourself a glass of wine you deserve it been a long week you're stressed or headache it's like does anybody have an aspirin back pain oh i need a massage ruminating thoughts where's my phone let me distract myself with instagram right i'm not against instagram i'm not against massages love both not against aspirin right but the invitation is just to consider taking a pause and asking the question, what could my physical symptoms potentially be trying to communicate about my emotional needs right now so that I don't build up more stuck energy and hold more stuck trauma when there may be something to release or heal? So in contrast, there you know, are other cultures that are way better at, the, at this than most of us listening And they embody all of this as well as things like community, more movement, expression in a way that we're just starting to realize we need to come back to. Vitamin D, natural sunlight. I probably sound like a hippie at this point, but without connection to the earth and nature, you know, and to our source, you know, whether you call that God, universe, mother earth, whatever, Trauma literally gets stuck, frozen, trapped in our body by the way that we live today. We're sedentary. We're inside. We're on our phones. We're so disconnected from creation, from the whole source of life. So we get stuck in that sympathetic nervous system, that fight, flight, freeze, fawn response. We get stuck in survival so bad that we don't even know what life is like not being triggered. Our internal alarm system is just stuck on all the time. So let me ask you this question, if you could relate to any of this, which if you can't, you're lying because you are humaning in 2023. My question for you is simply this. How is what you're doing right now, how you're coping with this natural collective human suffering, these physical symptoms, how is what you're doing right now working for you? It's no job at your character. Like, I know you have a genuine intention to heal. That's not even in question. But it's like, let's just look at the results. Is what I'm doing actually leading to the results that I want for my life? So if not, I'm going to make this so simple for you today. So tangible and not complicated and something you can do wherever you are, whenever you are. These are the top five tools I practiced on repeat and still go to when I need to calm my body down, bring it back to regulation, bring a sense of safety back to my nervous system after a trigger and after trauma. So one, I'm going to name five grounding techniques for you here. One is the five senses. This was my favorite. This is where in the moment of trigger, you stop and name five things you see, four things you hear, three things you can physically touch, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. And this brings you from that sympathetic back into the parasympathetic, out of survival and into safety. The second is somatic shake. So think Taylor Swift, shake it off, whether you're a Swift fan or not, like literally shaking your body. And if you've never done this before or haven't since you were a little kid, you're going to feel crazy and probably embarrassed. And it's not, like I said, something I encourage you to do in the middle of Target. But there is a very interesting book, a famous book written by Peter Levine called Waking the Tiger. And he talks about how animals in the wild, when they face danger and then the threat has passed, they will literally shake their bodies. 
And it's a way of moving this traumatic energy, this negative energy out of their body so that it doesn't get stuck. And so if you have animals, like my cat will do this sometimes. If she gets scared, I'll notice she'll shake after. If you own a dog, you might notice they've done this. So just shaking it off, literally. Uh, the third is one of my favorites, massage. I love massages, deep tissue. I tell if I go to like a new massage therapist, I'm very skeptical because I'm like, I don't know how strong she's going to be, if she's going to be strong enough for me. And I tell them, try to murder my muscles. Like <laughs> that is a good massage to me is when you try to hurt me. Other people are like, you're crazy. I don't like that. But there is this one day where I remember I was worrying about money and ruminating about, I forget like what triggered me, but it was just like where our money was at at the time. And I remember she started my shoulders and my back and I noticed the ruminating thoughts continued to circle. And it wasn't until she touched my feet that she started to massage my feet that all of a sudden my mind just like turned from this chaotic tornado to this placid lake. Like my thoughts started to slow down. It started to like empty out. My mind started to feel like, oh, I'm relaxed. And I started to really breathe deeper and settle in. And when you learn about you know, the chakra system. This is maybe something you've heard of. Maybe you're really familiar with it. This is a tool that I use with my clients just to understand their bodies. We have, you know, these seven main chakra or energy, you know, wheels in our body that are connected with different emotional programming. And the root chakra, it's at the base of our spine. So think like your tailbone area, your pelvis is connected to your hips, your legs, your calves, your feet. So anything from like the hips down is connecting with your root chakra, which is your safety programming, your sense of safety and security within your body and within the world. And so it was really interesting because as I was worrying about money, which is very like safety, security type issue, right? Like, am I going to have enough to survive? As soon as she touched my feet, my root chakra, that safety programming, it calmed me down. So massage, whether you go and get one or sometimes I'll just be sitting there in the middle of a Zoom meeting and let's say I'm nervous and I'm about to speak next, I'll like massage my feet. So the fourth one I'll offer you is just feet on the earth, literally bare feet on the grass, depending on, I know Australia is like winter right now. So if you're listening in Australia, <laughs> you know, maybe you have to wait if it's too cold. But feet on the earth, it's really like a grounding wire. If you know anything about, I'm not like very versed in this, but I know electricians, when they're building wire circuits, they need to have a grounding wire where this is a wire that is connected into the earth that can discharge any negative energy to prevent, you know, fires, sparks, any flare ups. And so I think about this in my family a lot, like in any family, there's going to be flare-ups and fires and sparks because you're humans living together. And if we are all in a grounded space, that's where there's harmony. But if even one of us, you know, has some negative energy that we haven't discharged, going outside and literally putting your feet on the earth, this might sound so like out there for some people, but it has been proven to discharge negative energy. It just like leaves your body, goes into the earth. So try it if it feels good to you. And the last thing I'll share is self-touch, not like self-pleasure or we'll, we have a whole nother episode dedicated to that, but self-hugs, hand over heart, just like 
in an affectionate way, not in a sexual way where you're offering yourself self-compassion in a moment of trigger. So this is the one that I do a lot if I'm, you know, late, let's say you're late running to a meeting, like hand over my heart and just reminding myself, it's okay. You're doing your best, Becky. You know, you're going to get there when you get there. doesn't matter if people are mad at you or if you disappoint people, you've done everything you can in your power. As opposed to old me, you know, I'd just be caught in my head, be like, oh, I'm going to be late. They're going to be mad. Blah, blah, blah. So there's power in the actual physical touch on your own body. Studies have shown even with infants, those that aren't held or touched or cuddled as little infants, there is a higher risk of failure to thrive. Their vitals are lower. Their weight gain is lower. Um, the APGAR score is lower. And those that are nurtured, touched, skin to skin, you know, the chances of them thriving are way higher. And so I have one client, Julie, you've heard her. She was one of the very first podcast guests actually spoke about the abandonment wound because she was, this is a, a trigger warning I'll put out there before I share this story if you haven't heard it, but her mother attempted to abort her twice and she ended up still surviving and being born and was adopted. But from a very early age, she wasn't held. She knows that because she's been told what happened to her from the point of birth to going from foster home to foster home and she wasn't held a lot. And so you could say her nervous system, like she came into this world with a disadvantage and she's had some of the most incredible, transformational, undeniable results in the program. Getting to coach her has been the biggest honor. And so she's just proof that no matter where you start or what you've been through, there's always still so much possibility to repair with this somatic work. Okay, so grounding techniques are amazing. You can Google more. Those are just five. Um, but if you Google grounding techniques, you could find a million more that you might love way better than the ones that I just dished to you. Okay, so that was all tapping into the 80%, right? When you're lost in your head after trauma and you want to restore safety to your nervous system, we got to go straight to the body. You can't outthink your thoughts. But once we've done that, once we've calmed down our nervous system, brought it back to regulation, moved trauma out, we have opened up the door to dive back into that 20% into the mind. And, you know, now we can really get to work in solving these subconscious stories that are limiting us and keeping us small. So secret number two, solve the subconscious stories. Let me explain really quick just the difference between conscious, subconscious, and unconscious. They're probably all terms that we've heard, but we're like, what is the difference? Conscious defines all the thoughts and actions within our awareness. So, for example, the beauty and pleasant smell of like the flowers outside, you're conscious and aware of the smell, the scent. Subconscious defines all the reactions and automatic actions that we can become aware of if we think about them, but they're not usually at the forefront of our mind. So for example, the ability to drive a car. Once we get really skilled at that, we stop thinking what gears to use, what pedals to press, what mirror to look at, but we can always become aware of it, you know, when we go back and think about it. But normally that's just like routine. We're not even thinking about what we're doing when we're hopping in the car. Unconscious defines all the past events and memories, though at times inaccessible to us, no matter how hard we try to remember to bring them up. 
So for example, the first words that we learned to say or how we felt uh, to be able to walk on our own, we can't really recall those memories or I haven't met anybody yet who can. So our subconscious stories, these are like energetic blueprints of everything we've believed about ourselves and others in the world around us. And as much as we'd like to believe we're good at hiding our thoughts and fears and pain and biases and opinions at all times, <laughs> sorry to drop this buzzkill if you're like, oh no, at all times we are emitting an energy that flows from our subconscious programming that lets people know really like how we feel. So it's like holding a sign up. When we're in a state where we haven't regulated or there's still these subconscious stories that aren't aligning with who we want to be, how we want to show up on the outside, it's like we're holding up a sign that says, I can't be trusted or I don't, you know, like you, like whatever it is that's going on on a subconscious level. When we've done that work on the subconscious level, it's like holding up a sign that says, I can be trusted. I love you. I'm safe. Like, welcome. Come into my space. So discovering what's truly below, you know, what messages we're truly emitting, it requires a pause. And honestly, the best time to discover what your stories are is actually right after you've been really triggered. So I'm going to give you a real-time, very recent example. Uh, yesterday, I was at soccer practice for my son. Sebastian is coaching. My husband is coaching Ollie's soccer team. And I was sitting on the sideline with me and three other soccer moms. And Anna was playing here and there, coming to sit on my lap, going back, playing with the dirt. All of a sudden, she runs by and throws dirt in my face. <laughs> I don't know if that's ever happened to you. That was the first time in my life I ever had somebody throw dirt in my face. But I got to give her credit. It was perfect aim. It was like a drive-by. Like, she ran by fast. It went directly into my face. And let me start with the bodily sensations that arose where I immediately held my breath. My muscles tightened. My face got hot. And I swooped her up faster than a babysitter's boyfriend when the car pulls up. <laughs> In that moment, I go and take her and sit under a tree away from all the soccer moms. I take a deep breath. I held her close. But there was so much anger burning inside of me. I was like, hell no, right? And what I said to her, I said, Anna, you do not throw dirt in mama's face. And she goes, ah, you don't love me. And I was like, Anna, I said this with still tight lips, locked jaw, muscles tense. I do love you. And I also will not let anyone throw dirt in my face. And then again, you don't love me. So let me explain. This girl can't hear a word I'm saying. I'm saying I love you. There's nothing that's going to convince her because only 7% of our communication is verbal. 7% of what somebody hears from us is the words coming out of our mouth. That's it. 93% of our communication is our energy, our nervous system, our subconscious thoughts, our facial expressions, our body language. 
And so I didn't take the time to step away and regulate. I immediately scooped her up. I kept her on my body so she could feel my nervous system, my vibrational energy. I didn't take the time to step away or get curious or get grounded before educating her. And so, of course, all she heard was what I was, you know, feeling inside. She felt a disconnection. That's all she felt. And to kids, that's that feels like death. That feels like an absolute threat and danger. All she can feel is I messed up. I did bad. And now there's a disconnection between me and my mommy. She doesn't love me. And so this was yesterday. Today, I was talking to my friend Lauren Dry. If you've heard me mention the masterclass we're doing coming up, she's a nervous system catalyst, but her zone of genius is really with families. So like parenting is a big part of the clients that she helps. And she helped me make a deep connection with the subconscious story that was actually going on in that moment when Anna threw dirt in my face. And she asked me, she was like, okay, in that moment... Your nervous system got triggered. I invite you to consider like what that reminded you of in the past as, you know, uh, something that happened or, you know, something that was bad or dangerous. And what came up is it actually reminded me of this story with my dad uh, where I was a little girl and I was at church and I was so bored and I didn't want to be there. And he took me outside in the hall to have a talk with me because I wasn't paying attention and I was starting to be distracting. And I got so mad that I kicked him. And that was like one of the most painful regrets I've ever had in my life was that moment of like, how could I have done that to my father, especially after he died? Like that was a major regret of mine. And so all of a sudden it was this aha moment for me of like, (gasps) when Anna ran by and threw dirt in my face, the subconscious story that that reminds me of when I actually get introspective was of me being just as bored at church, like Anna was bored at this soccer practice and out of frustration, out of anger, like I kicked my dad and Anna threw dirt in my face. And so the fear was, oh no. I am afraid just like I felt disconnected from my dad and shame. And that was something that I never got to apologize for uh, before he died. There is this all these subconscious fears, not that I'm conscious to that. Oh, no, this is going to mean, you know, lifelong disconnection from Anna. And she's going to become that teenager that I was and, you know, hate me. And it was like an aha moment for me. So when we're triggered, One of the most powerful pattern interrupts we can offer ourselves is to get curious. Like we're going to mess up. We're going to get it wrong. But as long as we have breath in our lungs, we have the unbelievable power to repair. We can try again next time. Maybe get a little help from a friend who's walked in your shoes and come out on the other end where you want to be. Or maybe we hire a coach to support us. You know, we are wired as humans to thrive with safe accountability But whatever helps us be able to get back up on the horse and practice next time when we're triggered, we can practice to step away and get curious and ask ourselves, what about this trigger reminds us of something unsafe from the past? Then we can go back and speak to that former us, almost like a character in that past story. So an example, I've actually done work on this with that moment with my dad in a session that I had with a somatic practitioner. I went back and I talked to that little girl, me, in that church. And then I went inside my dad's head and, 
you know, this practitioner was asking me, what do you think your dad was thinking at that time? Do you think he hated you? Did you think he, you know, saw you differently? Do you think he didn't want to, you know, have a connection with you anymore? And I was able to the first, for the first time be like, I don't know, like I have kids. I know what that's like. Like they do the craziest stuff and it really triggers us and drives us nuts. But at the end of the day, I just want them to know I'm going to be there for them no matter what. And I love them that they're everything to me. And so I was able to go in and like really rewrite a lot of the subconscious shame and stories that I had associated with that terrible thing I had done as a little girl. So this was the first time, you know, like really going in and rewriting that I was able to forgive myself for that moment. And now here I am today Anna throwing dirt in my face, my friend helping me realize what story that brought out. And then I'm able to draw on that new story. Like, oh yeah, I had that old story for a while, but we rewrote that. So this actually isn't a threat anymore. Like Anna doing that does not mean we're going to be disconnected forever. I know how to rewrite this now and I know how to repair. So this is what I do a lot with my kids now. We rewrite moments together. And this is what we're going to be diving into. If you've heard of our masterclass that we're hosting on June 15th, Laura and I are going to dive into how to repair the messes, mistakes, and mishaps we all make in marriage and motherhood. And so I'll be taking care of the marriage piece. She'll be taking care of the parenting piece. And it's going to be so many tools for you to walk away with how to repair in the moment of mistake. So it's powerful to learn our subconscious stories and remember awareness is half the battle and discovery is recovery. Those are two cliche statements that are cliche because they're true. But where I and most women are stuck for years is we try to rewrite the stories before calming down our nervous system. And so we only tap into that 20% of power, that top-down cerebral mental faculty. And then we get frustrated, understandably, because it's like a salmon trying to swim upstream. It's possible, but it leaves you exhausted as hell without much ground covered. So what we can do instead, right, is have conversations like that and get curious. But just knowing that once you've regulated your nervous system, it's like throwing a seed on fertile ground. So sometimes what I found is like all these 10 years of latent information that I had accumulated all of a sudden became embodied for the first time and begin to take root. And, you know, it all starts to integrate once you add the body piece. And so I want to end today with a guided, it's called a rain meditation. This was from Tara Brock. She's one of my favorite Buddhist teachers. And the acronym RAIN stands for Recognize, Accept, Investigate, and Nurture. And so I invite you to think of something that recently triggered you, not something so huge that you're going to go back into like an anxiety attack, panic attack, triggered state if you revisit it, but just something that feels close enough to home where it's still a little raw. This RAIN meditation, it's a way to get curious about our subconscious stories in a moment of trigger, okay? So starting once you have this trigger, this event, first let's recognize, like, what's happening right now. Normally we don't pause to recognize. We fight, flight, freeze, or fawn and just do whatever we can to make that perceived threat go away. But the more we establish safety in our nervous system, the more it becomes easier to be present enough to even recognize what's happening. 
So recognize might be like, in my example, huh, okay, Anna just threw dirt in my face and that triggered the F out of me. Just going to recognize that right now. Accept. The A stands for accept. Accept the experience just as it is. Oh my God, we do anything but this, right? We don't accept. We deny, we numb out, we escape, we run, we resist reality like it's the plague. There's a quote from Buddha that says, it is your resistance to what is that causes your suffering. So accepting like, oh my gosh, that really just happened. Anna just threw dirt in my face because that's that's not what I normally would do. I'd be like, oh no, she didn't, <laughs> right? It's like, oh my God, that sucks so bad. I really wish this wasn't reality, but this is reality. Ooh, kumbaya. I'm accepting this as much as I hate it, right? And then the I stands for investigate. Investigate with general curiosity the thoughts, emotions, and physical responses that are arising. So this is where I wish I had paused, right, and be able to investigate like, okay, what are the thoughts going through my head? What does this remind me of from my past? What am I feeling? How is my body reacting? That's the investigate. And then nurture is the final and stands for nurture. With loving presence, how can you answer the simple question of like, what do I need? So if I were to have done this meditation yesterday, I think what I needed in that moment, the nurturing that I need, I needed to take a break. I wouldn't have swooped her up so fast. I would have been like, Anna, stay with Pauline, soccer mom Pauline for a second. I'll be right back. <laughs> and I would need to put my hand over my heart. I would need to ground, pick one of my grounding techniques maybe do a little breathing, even if it was just a minute or two, and then come back and talk with Anna and be able to educate her in a way where she's going to hear, I still love you, so her defenses don't go up. She can actually hear the words coming out of my mouth. And we foster connection as well as setting a boundary. You know, Anna, I love you. That was not okay. This is how mommy felt when you did this. And I can't let you do this again. And so if that ever happens again, like this is what's going to happen, like letting her know we're going to have to leave the soccer field or, you know, whatever I decide is going to happen. And then asking too and getting curious, having the the grounded energy enough to be able to ask like, Anna, what do you, what was going through your head when you did that? Were you bored? Did you want to play? You know, being able to be curious with her and then teach her some empathy, like, how would you feel if somebody threw dirt in your face? <laughs> would that feel good? And sometimes Anna's just, she'll be like, yeah, I would like that. She'll like answer that way sometimes. But you guys get the point. It's going to come across that 97% of our communication is in our energy, body language, nervous system. Only 7% is words. And so if we're hiding stories in our subconscious, even the words coming out of our mouth, no matter how good they sound, no matter how much we package them with a bowl, a bow, whoever we're talking to, whether it's a kid or our partner, a coworker, a family member, they're going to feel our energy way more than they hear the words coming out of our mouth. So I encourage you to take these with you this week, the rain meditation and grounding techniques in your moment of trigger and start to offer yourself radical compassion, radical curiosity, and radical acceptance as you understandably have 
gotten into a state of survival mode in the first place because of the different trauma that you've survived, whatever that has looked like. I love you guys so much. I will talk to you next week and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. I love and appreciate you so much. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and leave us a rating or review to help others find the show. To learn more about working with me or joining the I Do Breakthrough community, head over to my Instagram at Rebecca Lee Aste, where you can learn all about my program in my bio. And please send me a DM with your takeaway from today. I'd be honored to connect and know what landed for you. I hope you have an amazing day and I'll chat with you next week. Music